All right, are we ready to get into the Word of God this morning? All right, that sounds good. Well, take your Bibles then and turn to 1 John chapter 2. Take your Bible version or your U version apps, go to the bottom, scroll up just a little bit from Revelation, you'll find 1 John chapter 2. If you have your good old paper copy, um, it's toward the end, just after First and Second Peter and just before Revelation. And First uh, John chapter 2 is where we're going to be at. We're going to get there in just a moment. So just when you find it, keep it open and, and we're going to read from there. But after a long, exhausting, maybe a really even good day, I love coming home. Right? Like when you've had a good full day of work, you know, whether it's been long and exhausting or it's been a spectacular day, sometimes there's nothing like coming home. Right? We can be like Dorothy, click our heels together. There's no place like home. I don't have the ruby red slippers. They don't go with my outfit today. So, um, but when there's something about coming home, and for me, I love coming home and I love being able to see my wife, Amy. I love being able to just start to chat with her about uh, what's gone on in the day, how her day has gone. Uh, I love being able to come home and see my kids. Now, uh, at this point, I just have one at home, Micah. And uh, as a teenage boy, I kind of, hey, how are you? Sup? <laughs> you know, it, it can be something like that. And, um, but I remember when I was, when I was younger and my kids were younger, um, you, you open the door and you've got like the stampede coming towards you and just like so excited. There's nothing like that feeling of coming home to those safe confines, right? Um, when we get home, sometimes we might change our clothes into comfy clothes, the around home clothes, uh, where we can just relax. We can just feel good again. We typically, as a family, we get to eat supper together. Most nights. Um, and so we'll discuss the events of the day uh, before we move on to other things for the night. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll talk about what happened in this class or, you know, for Amy as a teacher, some of her students, like how things went in her classes. And, you know, we're able to do those things as a family and then we move on to if we have homework or errands or, you know, paying bills or whatever other fun stuff there might have to be done for the day. And then after those things are done, we will usually sit back and relax, right? How many of you love to just kind of sit back, you relax, you just kind of sit in the couch? Yes, I think I'm just going to preach from here the rest of the, the day. Sorry if you can't see me. No, I'm just kidding. But it, it and by the way, those couches are really comfy. Um, they're in room 11 if you ever need them. Uh, but it, sometimes you just like to settle into that couch, that recliner, and usually at the end of the night, we'll kind of come together as a family, and we might just, as part of that unwind time, we'll watch a little TV, uh, maybe we'll play a game depending on how energetic we really are, um, and, but it's just nice to relax. And there's just something about being able to come home to our place of comfort, can any of you relate with me a little bit on that? Like, there's just nothing about being able to come home, and not that 
the things of the day weren't great and exciting, but coming home is just a wonderful thing. We come home to the usually friendly confines of our home where we can be with our family, and we can know that despite what is going on in the world around us, we can rest here in our home. There is usually a stability to our homes. There's usually this underlying foundation that we just know that it's, it's, it's going to be good, that we can just rest. And sometimes there's, there can be chaos. I, don't, I won't deny that. But in general, we can kind of come home and know, ah, we're home. It's a haven. It's a place of rest and refuge for us. Typically, we just know that there is safety and securities on all levels uh, for each one of us. And after having that time of rest in the comfortable confines of our home, a lot of times then the next morning we're able to get up. We feel perhaps refreshed. Maybe we're still tired depending on the day. Thursday is usually like, yikes, I'm tired. But we can get up and we can feel like we're ready to take on the day. We're able to approach it, handle the things that are going to come. And if nothing else, we can say, I get to be home again in just a little while. And it's this idea of comfort and assurance, I feel that John is trying to portray today. This solid foundation of stability that he's going to bring out in our scripture today. So 1 John chapter 2, let's read verses 12 through 14. All right? It says, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. For those of you who like to take notes and like to have titles, I've entitled this Comforting Certainties. I think there are some assurances that are great in our lives that we just need uh, to keep going. And in our text this morning, I think John is setting out to, to encourage believers, those within the church. So far in his letter, he's been laying down some pretty meaty concepts for the church to, for them to realize this is what life in Christ is all about. He's been giving out some challenging yet appropriate and helpful instructions. He's trying to combat false teachers and their teachings that are just causing havoc and in, in issues within the church. Because he, he has in his mind, as he's hearing about these heresies, he's like, there are wolves that are infiltrating the sheep, that are infiltrating the flock, and we need to correct some of those things. And so he's been laying out a variety of tests. The goal of which is that we can have ongoing fellowship with our Father and with Jesus Christ the Son. That we need to walk in the light rather in the darkness because God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. He, he, he's talked about that we need to acknowledge and confess our sin. That we need to be upfront and honest about it. That we can't just say, ah, uh, that's nothing. Like we need to be real about it. That we need to be confessing it to God and saying, I want to move on. That we need to keep Jesus' commands. That this should be a normal thing for us. That as we learn and as we grow about what Jesus has commanded, that we would follow those and obey them. 
And what we looked at last week was that we are to love people, especially each other, especially the brothers and sisters in Christ, that loving people should characterize us as believers. And so after laying out all these critical but meaty concepts for the believers, it's almost as John, as though John has a thought. Because he's going along, he's rattling off all of these things, and then it's like he finishes the idea of loving one another, and he's like, wait a second. I, I think I need to take a pause, and I need to interject a couple comments, because I've been reminding them a lot about these, these things that we need to be doing, but I need to remind them about who they are in Christ. I need to make sure that they're still tracking with me. I need to make sure that they are not getting discouraged. So I want to encourage them. I want to comfort them. I want to help them to see their position and their standing before God. I think I need to remind them of who they are in Christ because if they can know and remember that, then they're going to be encouraged and empowered to keep moving and growing in Christ. And so in the middle of his instructions, he stops to remind us of these things, these comforting certainties, which are true for all believers. And they are as true today as they were in the first century. Amen. That is a great thing. It wasn't just like once and done. No, this is for every single believer that comes to know him. And while he uses three different labels to address his readers in this passage, he is ultimately stating certainties for each of us, and he's going to repeat some of them in order to emphasize their importance. So the first certainty that we see here is that the Christian is one whose sins are forgiven. And in this first certainty, John reminds us of the fundamental truth for our life as a believer, that our sins are are forgiven when we come to know Christ. And I liken it to this couch. This couch is something that I can put my weight on and it is going to support me. This couch is going to be something on which I can rest and I can know that I'm going to be taken care of. It, like This is going to support me. I can put my weight on it. I can bank on the fact that as I sit here, it is going to hold strong. And I think that's kind of the idea that this first point makes, is that our sins are forgiven. When we first came to know the Lord, our sins were forgiven. And they are continuing to be forgiven, and they will continue to be forgiven as we walk with the Lord. And so we can have that comforting assurance that coziness of just knowing that my sins are forgiven, that your sins are forgiven in Christ. As one who has chosen to receive Christ and trust him as Lord and Savior, we can be comforted and we can be certain that our sins are forgiven. There's no guesswork. We don't have to uh, hem and haw about it. We don't have to wonder and worry and think, well, maybe that one's not you know, or I continue to fall into that one. Maybe he, you know, I've reached my limit and so he's not going to forgive me anymore. That's not it at all. I don't need to respond if someone asks me, hey, are your sins forgiven? I don't need to think, well, I hope so. 
I hope that my sins are forgiven. I'm, I'm praying about them. I'm optimistic that I've got a 60-40 chance that they're forgiven. No, instead we can say, yes, my sins are forgiven, praise the Lord. That my sins, every single last one of them, has been forgiven. That I no longer have sin in my life in the sense of that they are not taken care of and covered by the blood of Jesus. And so I can know without a shadow of a doubt that my sins are forgiven. And just like I can put my full weight on the couch as I want to rest and relax, I can put my full faith and confidence in the truth that my sins, all of them, every single last one of them is forgiven. I can sit, I can stand, I can lay down in that reality that my sins are forgiven. What an amazing blessing that is for us. What an amazing blessing that is for the entire world as they would come to know Jesus and realize that each one of our sins are forgiven. And here's what makes it so incredible. Because John doesn't just say, your sins are forgiven, but he says, your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Which gives the idea that I can't earn this. That I can't do anything on my own to try to, you know, remedy the situation, my sin problem. No, instead, Jesus did all the work. That can be so incredible and so mind-blowing at times. That Jesus did the work, I don't have to do anything in order to have my sins forgiven. Other than come to know him and just say, I want to follow your way. That's basically it. And he says, come along, let's walk. And each one of us, because of our sins, great and small, we deserve God's wrath. We deserve the punishment for our sins. Each one of us should be punished. Each one of us should face that life, or essentially eternal death, apart from Christ, apart from God. Because we all have rebelled against God. We've all gone that way, and at one time or another, we've said, you know what? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go my own way. But the certain truth is that my sins and your sins are forgiven because of Jesus' perfect work on the cross on our behalf. Because of his grace and mercy toward us, Jesus came to bear the penalty for our sins in, his, in our place. The Apostle Paul explains this in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, when he writes, In him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. Because of Jesus' work, the slate is clean. When we come to know him, our slate gets wiped clean, and we are forgiven the penalty that we should have experienced has now been paid. And we have redemption. We have forgiveness of our sins for his name's sake because he has done the work. We will not have to undergo and endure the punishment that was meant for our sins because Jesus already took that sin and that punishment upon himself when he died on the cross. He did what we could never do for ourselves when he atoned and paid the price for our sins. I don't know about you, but how wonderfully freeing that is to know that. How comforting it is 
when I can just wake up and if, even if I've had a bad day or I'm looking at a stressful day, I can say, my sins are forgiven. I walk in a new way. I have a new life because of what Jesus has done. And so the Apostle John breaks his train of thought with these words of instruction or the words of instruction because we need to be reminded of this first certainty. He understands how important it is for us to grasp this truth that our sins have been and continue to be forgiven for his name's sake. And on the screen, it's going to show this, this phrase that we must be clear about our past before we can go forward in Christ. I think this is critical for us to remember and to think about that we must be clear about our past and that the past is taken care of. It is wiped clean. It is behind us. Never again to really be brought up in Christ. So we need to be clear about our past before we can go forward in Christ. And so John is using this idea of, I'm going to give you these comforts and these certainties, but it's not just to, ah. It's like we can ah for a couple moments, and then we can move forward. We can be propelled forward to live the life that we are now meant to, to walk. Because if we are not certain that our sins are forgiven, that our past has been erased due to Jesus' work on the cross, then how can we truly seek to live out this new life? What point is there to try to live out these new principles in the life of Christ if I continually second-guess the forgiveness of my sins? If we have uncertainty in this area, then we're going to be limited in our ability to truly and fully walk with Christ Jesus going forward. We're not going to be very effective if we continue to wonder about our sins and like, how is that going to come and, and bite me again later on? Like, we just need to know our sins are forgiven. They are in the past. So John wants us to be comforted by the couch that our sins are forgiven for his name's sake. He then reminds us of a second certainty to comfort and encourage us. And if we look at the end of verse 13, we see that John again uses the label of children. And he writes, I write to you children because you know the Father. After reminding us that our sins are forgiven, he gives us the truth that we now know the Father. It's kind of like you get on the couch, your sins are forgiven, and now you get to be wrapped up in a blanket just knowing I know the Father. I know the Father. What a wonderful feeling it is to just be wrapped up in a blanket sometimes. Yes, those can be insta-worthy. Um, but to have the blanket on you, sometimes it's that, that feeling of warmth, that feeling of just coziness. You know, I already have the support of knowing that my sins are forgiven for his name's sake. And what that also means is that I now know the Father. That I have been reintroduced to God the Father. And as we have heard the gospel message of Jesus and received it for ourselves, we have now come into a restored relationship with God the Father. Prior to believing in Jesus as Lord and Savior, we were apart from God. Here's how Isaiah 59.2 describes it. Our situation was like this. 
But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. And in that state, we were without hope. In our old way, in our old man of being in sin, we were without hope. We were without the Father in our lives. We were not able to have that true connection with him. But God, in his everlasting and boundless love, did not want to stay separated from us. We sang about it earlier that he was chasing after us. And he was pursuing us because he wanted to have that connection with us again. And so he made the way. And he did that by sending Jesus, his son. Look at what 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 and 19 says. Because this is going to describe what was accomplished. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, that is in Christ God, or in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. God the Father reconciled us to himself through Jesus' work on the cross. Not only are our sins forgiven because of the cross, but he also filled in the gap of separation between us. That gap no longer exists when we are in Christ because he has filled it in and we can now have that restored relationship. We can now know God as our good father, the perfect father, the one who loves us beyond what we can even think or imagine. And we can once again feel and experience that in our own lives for each one of us. So when we accept the gift of salvation that Jesus offers to us, we now get to connect with and have fellowship with God, our loving Heavenly Father. And we've received Jesus. And as we've received Jesus, he takes us by the hand, he leads us before the Father, and he says, hey, Father, look, I've got myself and I've got one of my loved ones with, us, with me. And we get to be together again because they're, they're reconciled with us again. They're, they're walking in this new life and they're, they're going to have this time with us. So we get to all be in unity again. You, you set the plan in motion, Father, so that Johnny could be with us, that Mabel could be with us, that Henry could be with us again, and that we can all be together. We can be one. And they've received it. And so here we are. And so let's, let's, let's spend time together. And after experiencing those wonderful tides of forgiveness that come over our lives, we then have the rush of his fatherly love that just washes over our souls. How refreshing and beautiful that is, right? That we have forgiveness and we know the Father and his love. And with the certainty that we know the Father, again, it's not one and done for all time, like, oh, you experienced it? Keep moving. Nothing else to see here. You know, no, this is something that happened at that time. It was something in the past. It was something that is now in the present. We get to know the Father even now. And we will continue to be able to know the Father as we walk with him in our future days. And this knowing and experiencing him can continue to grow as we just follow him. We walk with him and we know that he is with us. We experience his goodness and his love for us. We know and feel that he is with us. 
that he is near us, even in the midst of our needs, even in the midst of our trials and our struggles, that he is with us, that we know the Father and that he is right there with us no matter what we face. And even as we may be tempted, we feel him with us. We can sense his presence and that he's saying, don't do that. Don't. You're not, you don't want to do that. As the loving father, he's like, you're going to get hurt. Don't do that. So even in those moments where we feel tempted and maybe we're struggling, he can, he's there and he's encouraging us. He's cheering us on so that we can rise above the temptation. That's the goal. And we can know perfect peace in him and through him each and every day. And just like we can be certain that our sins are forgiven, we can be certain that we know the Father. But wait, there's more. Here, John is going to give us a third certainty as he writes essentially the same two things, um, both at the beginning of verses 13 and 14, where he writes, I am writing, or in verse 14 he says, I write, to you fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. John refers to the beginning of his letter where he speaks of Jesus and he calls him the one who was from the beginning and was seen and heard and touched. That Jesus was the one who has existed from the beginning and he came to earth and we were able to observe him and that we can have fellowship with him. That we can have a connected relationship with Jesus as well. John in the beginning of the letter talks about having an ongoing fellowship with God the Father and his son Jesus Christ. And just as you have known God the Father, you also know and experience Jesus, God's Son. So, back to the couch. As you experience the, the security and the, the support of having your sins forgiven, and you can know that God is your Father and that you get to know him once again, you also can have, we'll, we'll say the pillow is this idea that you can know that you can have fellowship with Jesus the Son. And you can rest your head on that. Uh, doesn't this look nice and cozy? Yes. What a wonderful place to be. That we can know that not only do we know God the Father, but we also know Jesus the Son. That we can rest our heads and our minds knowing that as a believer, we know Jesus. And that we have known him in the past that, again, we do know him in the present, and we can continue to know him in the future. And we can experience the blessing coming from his work on the cross. Like, again, it's not just a one-and-done thing. This is an ongoing thing where we can experience the blessing of his work on the cross. And I think that's a fantastic foundation for us to start from. That is, we know him more and more, we can discover and begin to understand the example that he has set for us as he walked this earth among us. Like, through his word, we can read, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we can read of the encounters that he had with people, how he dealt with people. And for some of us, we we need to know how do we deal with people, right? That we can learn from his example and how to live life in the kingdom, We can see his heart of love and compassion for people, all people, without regard for their gender, their class, their nationality, their reputation, their physical condition, whatever it might be. We can have compassion and love for all people. And so we then discover his desire to reset our thinking 
to be in alignment with God's heart rather than our man-made ways. And throughout the New Testament, we are called to then imitate him, to follow his ways as we continue to walk and connect with him each day. Yet, John doesn't just point to Jesus' earthly life. Like, that is a part of what he's saying. But he also notes that we know him who is from the beginning. We know Jesus, Son of God, Son of Man, and that he has existed since before earthly time began. He is eternal, and as such, he has an eternal perspective on everything that is going on. Like, our views of things are limited because our minds are finite. We are limited in what we are able to understand and know and observe. Jesus, on the other hand, he has an eternal perspective. He is infinite. And so he, along with the Father, has an eternal purpose that he is faithfully carrying out. And it's a purpose and a plan that is higher and greater than anything that we could develop. Isaiah talks about our ways are not as great as his ways, that his thoughts are greater than our thoughts. And that's this idea. So because his perspective is eternal and it is just mind-blowing for us, we know that he's not worried about what's going to happen in the next 20 minutes or 20 days or 20 years or 20 centuries. That he sees the end from the beginning. That he has it all under control. He knows what's going on. Nothing is shocking him. Nothing is surprising him. And we know him. As Revelation 22.13 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is the beginning and the end. Everything that we have in this life comes from Christ. Like, He is the one who breathed the world and everything in it into existence. And all of life as we know it begins and ends with him. Our entire Christian experience begins and ends with Jesus Christ. The one who is from the beginning. He is our savior. He is our Lord. He is our redeemer. Our soon coming king. He is sovereign and he is supreme over all things. And we know him by faith, because of the work that he has done for us and our acceptance of that. And so we get to know him and walk with him and we can recognize this truth and be comforted by it. So we can rest in this certainty and know that we know him who is from the beginning. And we can continue to know him in greater and deeper ways. That's pretty exciting to me. But there's one more thing. John denotes a fourth certainty by addressing it to the young men. In verse 13, he says that he writes to them, because you have overcome the evil one. And he repeats this idea in verse 14, but he expands it. And he says, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. As a believer, we can know and be comforted by the truth that we have overcome the evil one. So just as you sit on the couch of being forgiven, just as you can be wrapped in the blanket of knowing God the Father, just as we can know God the Son, how nice is it to just wrap up in the blanket, have a pillow next to you, 
and you have a warm beverage. Especially in fall, right? Not so much in summer when it's 95 and, and super muggy. But just to know that we are on the support that our sins are forgiven. That we are wrapped in the knowledge that we know the Father. That we can rest our head or our arms or whatever it might be on the pillow that we know him who is from the beginning. And we can just drink in the warmth that we have overcome the evil one. It's actually still warm. Nice. <laughs> Some things you just, you're, you don't know. Um, but we have this idea that we have overcome the evil one. We can have the confident assurance that the victory has already been won. That it has been given to each one of us. We don't need to ingest the worry and fear that the devil wants to devour us. Because we know that is a fact. But guess what? We don't have to live in the land of worry and fear. We get to live in the land of victory because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. That we have overcome the evil one because Jesus overcame the evil one and we're identifying with him. Amen? All right, I'm glad you're still awake. Just making sure. Because when we come to faith in Christ, when we become a believer and a follower of him, we become conscious of the victory that we have gained through Jesus Christ over our sin. Now, when you first, I'll use the word, when you first say the prayer, the sinner's prayer, you may not fully understand, hey, I just won a victory. You may not fully get that, but as you grow in the Lord and as you continue to walk with him, you get to understand that more and more, right? And you get to be a little bit more excited like, you know what? I can have victory over this. I can overcome this because Jesus has already overcome it on my behalf. How glorious and wonderful it is that we have the victory, that we have overcome the obstacle of sin. And Colossians 1.13 says uh, this, that he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. In that moment, we are no longer burdened by that weight of sin, that, that, that heaviness that just rests upon us when we are in sin. Instead, he has taken that off of us. We have overcome the sin we have overcome the evil one and he takes us out of that domain of darkness and he brings us into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of his son. And we are now new. We are now new creatures and our sins are again are forgiven. And Paul writes in Romans 8.37 this. He says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, I know for myself that sometimes I don't recognize that. Sometimes I don't recognize, you know what, I am a conqueror. But with this truth and with this confident and comforting certainty, I can know that I have overcome the evil one. That I don't just have to, you know, roll over and, you know, the, Satan, the devil can have his way with me. I can say, no, I have overcome the evil one because of what Jesus has done in my life. And similar to the three certainties that we've mentioned, we have already overcome through Jesus. We are overcoming, and we will continue to overcome through his strength and power. Because here's the deal. 
I have some good news and I have some bad news. And you're like, wait, what? This is supposed to be comforting. There shouldn't be any bad news. Well, here's the bad news. The bad news is that none of us is immune or will be immune from the enemy's attacks. Not one of us will have such an ongoing relationship with the Father and the Son that we will grow beyond temptation. We will be tempted constantly. We will continue to have those things that bombard us and come against us. But the good news is we have overcome the evil one. And we can drink that in. Like that warm beverage, we can drink in that truth and that reality. That we can continue to overcome the evil one and his assaults because we have the word of God abiding in us. And that is what John says, that you are strong and you have the word of God in you and you have overcome the evil one. And there is a direct correlation there that we gain our strength through the word of God. We are strong in Christ. We keep being strong when we have the word of God in us. And as we spend time in his word and drink it in all of its fullness, all of its goodness, all of the the wonderful principles that are there for us, they're not to be Debbie Downers. They're there to give you life. They are there to give you that, that strength that you need for that situation that either you're in the middle of or you're about to face. And we need the word of God in us so that we can understand God's ways, the better way for our lives. When we are tempted to hold a grudge against someone and be bitter, we can recall Jesus' words to forgive not just seven times, but 77 times, or 70 times seven, depending on your translation. Either way, forgive a lot. When we're tempted to watch or view that pornographic material, we need to remember that Jesus taught that even when we look at someone with a lustful eye or intent, we've already committed adultery. And so if we're wanting to stay true to our Lord, we're going to say, no, I'm going to overcome that because I don't want to offend my Lord anymore. When we have an urge to tell that dirty joke that we're reminded by his word that there should be no crude joking or obscene talk that comes out of our mouths. We take the word of God that we have been drinking in, that we've been ingesting, and we can now go, in a sense, on the offensive and say, okay, you're tempting me? No, I'm not going to. I'm going to come at you with the word of God. Think about Jesus when he was tempted in the wilderness. He was tempted with several different things that the devil was coming after him with. Stones. Hey, you're the son of God. You can turn these stones to bread. And Jesus said, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Or you can throw yourself down from the top of the temple. No, the word says, don't put the Lord, your God, to the test. Or, you know what, Jesus, why don't you just worship me? I'm where it's happening. I'm where it's at. And Jesus said, no. The word says, worship the Lord only, and him only shall you serve. Jesus didn't just stand back and say, I hear what you're saying, and I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to stand here and take it. He said, no, this is what really is happening. This is the truth. This is what I'm going to live by. This is what needs to be taking place in my life instead of what you're tempting me with. Now, easier said than done, but the truth is that we are strong because we have the word of God and we have already overcome the evil one. 
The word in you is the sword of the spirit, the weapon that you can take to fight off the enemy's attacks. You know, as he tempts you with something, you can say, no. You know, let's be like Nancy Reagan, just say no, right? We don't have to fall into those things. And that is why it is so important for each one of us to be in the word on a routine and consistent basis. You know, if you have, if you don't do that on a, a routine basis already, I encourage you, you know, take five, ten minutes. Start somewhere with just getting in the word. The, the little verse of the day may or may not help. You may need to dig in a little further and put in a little more effort than just that verse of the day that pops up on your phone. So, so yeah. So life can be hard. It sometimes can leave us feeling drained or exhausted because of our situations. But John has given us some comforting certainties in which we can rest and have confidence. And these are available for all believers. That's the amazing news. There's no class. There are no, there's no hierarchy in the kingdom of God. These are for every single one of us. We can take the couch and know that our sins have been forgiven. We can rest on that. We can put our full weight on that. We can cover ourselves in the blanket and know that we know God the Father that we have restored relationship with him. We can rest our head on the pillow of knowing that we know him who is from the beginning, that he has an eternal perspective and he's working all things out. And we can just drink in that warm drink that we have overcome the evil one through the word of God. These certainties reveal what has happened. They reveal what is happening and they reveal what is going to continue to happen as we walk with Christ. And with these, we receive encouragement to keep growing in our faith. Just like the idea that we rest on our couches at home and then that gives us that kind of encouragement to move on the next day and face whatever comes along, this is meant to do that same thing, that we can take all these comforts and rest assured of these things so that we can then walk the life that we are supposed to walk in Christ. Would you stand with me as we close out this service this morning? We praise the Lord for these great truths. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you. We just thank you so much for these comforting certainties that we have We are so thankful for the standing and the position that we have as believers that our sins are forgiven, that we know God the Father and we have restored relationship with him once again, that we know Jesus, the one who was from the beginning and has an eternal perspective that he's working out for all of us. And we know that we have overcome the evil one through the victory that Jesus has won on the cross. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. We can't stop saying that enough. Thank you for all of these blessings that you continue to show us each and every day and you pour out in our lives. And as we go through each day, may we be comforted by these truths. And not only that, but may we be propelled and encouraged by these truths to keep growing in the faith, to keep moving forward, to keep pushing through, to keep becoming mature in Christ day after day after day. So Lord, we just stand here as your people 
And we ask that you would continue to reveal these things in our hearts each day. Help us to be reminded of these things on an ongoing basis. Help us to remember even in those times when we just feel the weight of the world on us. We can remember these comforting certainties and how good you are to us. Lord, we thank you. So work in our hearts each day, we pray. Speak to us personally by your Holy Spirit. Not only today, but each day after. Remind us of these truths as you promise in your word. Help us, Lord, we pray. And this morning, I, I feel like I need to ask the question. Because there may be someone here in this place today, or maybe you're online, and you're saying, I've never experienced that. I've never experienced these comforting certainties in my life. And I want that. And so I want to give an opportunity this morning because I feel like it is important that we take this time for you just to say, yes, Lord, I want to accept and I want to receive that gift of salvation that you are giving to me. And so I'm going to ask you to do something as a simple act and I'm not trying to call you out or embarrass you. So I'm going to just ask, church, would you just close your eyes and bow your heads in in reverence for this moment? And if that is you this morning and you say, I would like to just accept and receive this gift of salvation in my life so that I can move forward, would you just slip up your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put them down. We thank you for this moment, Lord, that you are calling people to yourselves to yourself to just walk in a new relationship again and so church we're going to pray with these individuals who have raised their hands because we don't want them to pray alone we want to be with them and we all can can just remember that moment that we did this ourselves and so let's pray and repeat after me lord jesus thank you for your goodness thank you for your love Thank you for your sacrifice. I know that I am a sinner, that I am in need of you. And I ask today that you would wipe my slate clean. May I be new once again because of your work on the cross. Lord, thank you that I can now know my sins are forgiven. That I now have a relationship with God the Father. That I now know Jesus, the one who is eternal. And that I now know that I have overcome the evil one. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for those blessings. Amen. Amen. God is good. Amen.
If you were one who raised your hand and said that for the first time, we would love if you could, before your head hits the pillow tonight, tell someone that you know is a believer that I've made this decision, that I've made this choice to follow Jesus. And they will hopefully help you. And if if you're not sure of someone, come see me. I would love to help you get started on this new walk in Christ. So as we dismiss this morning, let me just pray this blessing upon us. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in the grace and peace and the comforting certainty of Jesus this morning. God bless you.